morning. Please be seated. If you have a Bible, you can open to 1 John. We'll look at the uh, last verse of chapter 3 and the first six verses of chapter 4. So it's uh, 324 through 46 this morning. Uh, most of the text is printed there, not the last verse from chapter 3 in your uh, bulletin, but it's um, probably okay. So the, uh, um, the text this morning is about the Spirit, primarily. It's about, um, uh, as with the rest of John's letter to uh, the church or churches that he was writing to, um, he's trying to reassure them that they really do have a relationship with God, and they've got certain ways that they can uh, objectively kind of verify whether that's true for them. And one of the things that he brings up is this thing that seems to us to be very subjective. It's, um, it's the fact that, uh, that we have the Spirit, right? So it says uh, in the, the last verse of chapter 3, By this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Um, and I think the, the question on most of our minds is, yeah, but how do we know that we have the Spirit, <laughs> right? Um, sure, that might be the indicator that uh, we really do have a relationship with God, that he does abide in us, that we have the Spirit. But what does that mean? You know, how do you know that? How do you know whether or not you have the Spirit? And uh, he goes on to describe what that looks like. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning is how to find assurance um, in our relationship with God by uh, identifying the Spirit's work in our lives and in our congregation. So the three, three things we're going to talk about, I mean, we've got to be able to discern the Spirit. So the first thing is... Um, uh, you know, the, the need, the importance for discerning the Spirit, spirit what that means. Um, secondly, the Christ-centeredness of the Spirit. And then thirdly, the people of the Spirit. So the, the discernment of the Spirit, what that looks like, uh, the Christ-centeredness of the Spirit, and the people of the Spirit. So that's what we'll talk about this morning. Let's pray, and then we'll read the Scripture. Father, we... Uh, we always need help when we read your word uh, because we're, we're prone uh, not just to misunderstanding it because it is fairly clear in and of itself in most places, but, um, but because there's something in our hearts that puts up a, a fight against accepting your word. And we, so we pray that you would overcome that resistance and that you would give us clarity, that you would, uh, by your spirit, help us to understand your word and to be changed by it into the likeness of Christ. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God for many false prophets have gone out into the world by this you know the spirit of God every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They're from the world, therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. So the discernment of the Spirit, that's what he says when he says, test the spirits, you know. Um, don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they're from God or not. There, there uh, should be ways for us to do that. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, and that's, that's what we're looking at as the, uh, for the basis of our in, uh, assurance with God. If we're going to know that we really do know God, if we're going to know that he abides in us, if we abide in him, we have a real relationship with God, then uh, it's one of these tests is about the spirit. And you've got to be able to discern the true spirit, the spirit of truth. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, you've got to be able to discern that Spirit from the other spirits. That's what the passage is about. Um, and it says uh, in Romans chapter 5 that, um, that we have a hope that does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given to us. And again, that seems very subjective, right? Hope, love, Spirit in our hearts, that, that's the kind of stuff we just don't generally tend to think of as like objective, verifiable. How do I know? I feel something? Is that, uh, is that how I know for sure that, um, that God abides in me and I abide in him, I have a real relationship with him? Is it because I have a feeling, um, a feeling of love, a feeling of hope? Uh, and that's not what John is talking about this morning. It's more than just a feeling. And actually, that's, um, uh, this is important to us because there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians who um, base their experience on God, uh, with God, their, their, um, their thought that they really do know the true God on this strong internal feeling that they have, right? I mean, maybe you've heard the, the Mormons say something to the effect of, uh, in, in their testimony, they'll say, I had this burning in my bosom, right? That's, for them, that's an experience of the Spirit. And that's not what John's talking about. He, he says, this is something um, that makes a little bit more sense to the mind than, uh, than just a strong feeling in your gut that something is true, right? So the Mormons say, we really know God. We really have the corner on the truth. We, uh, we do know uh, God through Jesus Christ, even. They'll say that. And, um, but they can't pass the tests that John gives us for what it really means to have the Spirit. Right? to be able to discern the true spirit from false spirits. And um, so that's what we need to do this morning because Christian faith is, uh, is not, contrary to popular opinion maybe, uh, it's not just spiritual gullibility. Right? We're not just gullible people. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of gullible, uh, but that's just my personal problem. That's, uh, that doesn't identify me as a Christian, right? Uh, people probably think, you know, Christians, those poor saps, those, those people who uh, really don't, uh, they aren't able to think well on their own. They, they've got a trust to faith. It's like, well, um, it's not just that. It's not spiritual gullibility. Christian faith is discerning, right? And it makes sense to the mind, and it, that's what John's talking about. We, um, we've got to apply our intellect in testing and discerning the Spirit, whether the Spirit that we have is from God or not. Um, and that doesn't mean, you know, when you hear the word discernment in uh, Christian circles quite a bit, um, you might want to run screaming in fear from people who use that word a lot because uh, really what, what we mean by it oftentimes is um, you know, we're going to be hypercritical, we're going to be judgmental, we're going to be condemning, we're going to be nitpicky. Uh, we're, we're the watchdogs of uh, good theology, and if your theology is good and pristine like ours, then you can feel good about yourself. Uh, and that's basically a self-righteousness that's based on, it's like a holier-than-thou attitude based on uh, having this pristine, perfect discernment, right? 
uh, good theology, a good uh, observation of things. Well, that's partially true, but not quite true. And that's true. That's right. And uh, and this this internal drive to always be right, to have the perfect truth. And I'll I'll tell you that turns you into uh, a very mean person when um, when you're oriented on uh, discernment in a way uh, to find your self righteousness in uh, what you know about God, about your theology, and, and your able your ability to discern between good and evil and things like that. Um, discernment in this sense, this spiritual uh, discernment, this testing of the spirits is not this hypercritical kind of self-righteousness based on uh, your good theology. It's, um, it's a discernment of, a, of the spirit, and the spirit is a person, right? He's the spirit of truth, so you're discerning a true person, uh, the one who is of truth, um, but it's a relational recognition, right? Discernment is a relational. Here, when you're testing the spirits, uh, there's something, there's a relational component to it because the spirit that you're discerning is a personal spirit. And he's, he's the spirit who's driving these people. And these are the spirits who are driving these people over here. And everybody who's speaking as if they were speaking on God's behalf, they have a spirit kind of driving that, kind of influencing them, kind of inspiring them in a sense. And John's saying, well, you've got to learn to see who those spirits are. And that's a, that's a relational recognition process. It's not simply a matter of... Um, understanding some esoteric knowledge, right? Some um, just bare theology, uh, statements of doctrine, whatever. It's not simply that. Discerning the Spirit in John's mind is a relational recognition process. And, um, and it means primarily uh, that the Spirit, uh, the true Spirit, the Spirit of truth, is the one who points us relationally to Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the Christ-centered Spirit, um, there's maybe churches that want to be known for being spirit-filled, and if they're not Christ-centered, then they're not filled with the spirit of truth, right? The, the, the true spirit, God's spirit, because God's spirit is Christ-centered, which leads us into the second uh, point that I want to make, is that um, <clears throat> he, is, he is a Christ-centered spirit, the Christ-centeredness of the spirit. You ask the question, uh, who is the spirit? Not just what, right? Not just for our own understanding, but for our uh, relational knowledge, who is the Spirit of God? He's the third person of the Trinity, right? He is fully God. He's not kind of a third-rate minor deity. He is fully God. He's as much God as the Father is and as the Son is, and he is uh, one with them, right? So he is God, uh, but he's God in a special way, just like the Father is God in a way, and that's a different way of being God than God the Son is, right? The Father's not the Son, and the Spirit's not the Son or the Father. Uh, he's God in a special way, and that, uh, as much as we can see in the Scriptures, means that he is, uh, he is supremely Christ-centered. His role in the Trinity is to, uh, his primary role that we see in the Scriptures in the Trinity is to exalt Jesus Christ, to exalt the Son of God to exalt truly the, the other two persons in the Trinity, but uh, particularly, as we see it in the Scriptures, to exalt uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus says as much. He teaches us a lot about the Spirit um, in the later chapters of John's Gospel. He says in John 15, verse 26, that he will bear witness about me. He says, uh, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. 
So the Spirit's purpose, Jesus' purpose in sending the Spirit is to testify to who Jesus is and to remind the disciples everything that Jesus has said, right? Because the Spirit is Christ-centered. And he says, again, in uh, John 16, when the Spirit of truth comes, it's that same language again that we see in our text, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, um, can't explain everything that's going on in that passage uh, briefly that takes its own sermon, but um, that is to say that the spirit of truth, the spirit of God, coming into the world, his main purpose is to take what, is, what belongs to Jesus, take everything about Jesus, and to deliver it to you, and to... Um, make you to know Jesus in a way for your relationship with him, for your union with him. He will bear witness about me, Jesus says. He will glorify me. And he has been doing that primarily through the scriptures throughout history. Right? The, the first place that the Spirit works uh, is his Christ-centered agenda is uh, through the scriptures. It says in Luke 24, we've looked at that a, a few times, but in a couple of places, Jesus points out the fact that all the scriptures are about him, right? He, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he talks about what the scriptures say about him. So Jesus is the center point. He's the feature. He's the, the strand running through all of the scriptures. And, um, and in a few places in the New Testament, we learn who is the, the ultimate author of the scriptures. It's the spirit of God, right? Um, in Hebrews, it says a few times, the Spirit says X, Y, and Z. And um, it says in Second Peter, uh, when, when he's quoting from the Old Testament, sorry, the Spirit says X, Y, and Z, when, when somebody, like it was David's quote in the Old Testament, but, um, but it's attributed ultimately to the Spirit. And then in Second Peter chapter 1, it says, you know, no, nobody ever spoke by their own will, uh, talking about the Scriptures, especially the Old Testament Scriptures, uh, but also this applies to the New Testament, Nobody spoke by their own will, but as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, right? So the prophets, the apostles, those who wrote down the scriptures for us, that what we have in our Bibles, the ultimate author of it is particularly the Spirit of God, because his, his particular goal is to exalt Jesus Christ, the Son of God, um, for our, our relational knowledge with him, knowledge of him. And that's what it means when uh, it says we're to test the spirits, we're to discern uh, what what kind of spirit is uh, behind this guy or what kind of spirit is behind that guy? And it says in chapter 4, verse 2, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh or um, it, could, it might be better translated, every spirit that confesses that Jesus is the Christ come in the flesh. That's the spirit from God and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Right? So, um, that's the major distinction that we see here is the Christ-centeredness of the spirit of truth versus all the other spirits that want to say um, they want their mouthpiece, they want their spokesman, they want their, uh, the people in, in their pulpits to say um, uh, not that Jesus Christ is the way to have a relationship with God. So Jesus is the Christ, come in the flesh, is the confession that the, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, inspires. He inspires that confession. And that means basically what we've seen throughout uh, John's letter is basically uh, a, just a couple things, right? Jesus is the Christ come in the flesh. And that means 
He is fully God and he is fully human. We've talked about this uh, several times as we've gone through 1 John, but those two things have to be held together at all times. You can't say he's mostly God or he's not really human. You've got to say he's fully God, he's fully human. That's what it means when it says that he is the Christ come in the flesh. He's the Savior come from God because he is God. And he came and he became a human being also. So he's now both fully divine and fully human. And implicit in uh, this is also the fact that he came for the purpose of grace, for the purpose of salvation, right? He came to express God's goodwill towards you and not his judgment, not his condemnation. And it also implies that um, you have a need for this, right? So confessing that Jesus is the Christ come in the flesh means that he's the way for you to be reconciled to God. There is no other way. He is fully God, he's fully human, and you need him if you're going to know God. That's, the, uh, that's the, the general message that anybody here, whether they're the true teachers like the apostles or whether they're the false teachers, the antichrists, uh, those who are against Christ, they're all trying to tell you this is the way you're going to know God. And if you've got the spirit of God behind that, what the, the people are going to say, is it's, it's Christ-centered. You need Jesus Christ, and you need this Christ, as the scriptures have revealed him, the Christ who is fully divine and also fully human. <clears throat> and that's how you recognize the Spirit, right? That's how you know that you have a relationship with God. That's, uh, you can recognize the Spirit in the confession that he inspires from uh, particularly the, the teachers in the place where you are. It's uh, it's kind of what the message is about. The passage is about is um, you know one type of teacher rather than another. But you can recognize the spirit by a conscious, deliberate, consistent focus on Jesus Christ in the gospel. And that seems a little strange to us because we're talking about a message about the spirit, right? Uh, it's the spirit. How do you discern who the spirit is? Well, who do you think Christ is? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Um, how, do you, how do you focus on the Spirit and discern and test whether this truly is the Spirit? Well, it's if he deflects you to Jesus Christ, because that's what he does. Right? Uh, if, you're, if you're constantly being fixed in your attention, in your heart, and in your mind on Jesus Christ as he's revealed to us in the gospel, then, uh, then you know you have the Spirit of truth behind that. Right? And so you can't, you can't even preach a sermon on the Spirit, without it being a sermon on Jesus. Because, um, because the Spirit of God, the true Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, he wants the glory of Jesus. He wants the glory of the Son. So, um, so the Spirit is ultimately and supremely Christ-centered, and so will be those who claim to speak on his behalf. So if you want assurance, then, <clears throat> in your relationship with God, you need to look for the place where that's happening. You need to look for the place where Christ is being exalted in who he truly is, uh, who he's been revealed to us by the Holy Spirit to be. Um, Which leads us to the last point, is that, uh, thirdly, we're talking about the people of the Spirit. The people of the Spirit of truth. Uh, It's a passage about recognizing the Spirit by discerning the community, right? By discerning the community where, um, where a certain message is proclaimed. Right, this, this community over here where, uh, <clears throat> you know, just to back up a little bit historically and uh, in the context of the scripture that we're reading, 
John's writing to a church that had experienced some division because, um, because false prophets, people who he's indicated as antichrists, people whose message they claimed to be speaking about Jesus, but they really weren't, uh, so they left. They've created another church over here. And again, the, the parallel example for us uh, today is Jehovah's Witness or Mormons, um, other cults that claim to be Christian, but they don't, they don't proclaim the true Christ as he's revealed in the scriptures. Um, and that, that causes a lot of worry when a whole big group goes from your church and they're insistent on the fact that they have the truth, that they really are in connection with God in a, in a way that you are not. And, um, and for those who are left behind in the church, they need to be able to see how this community, these people over here, especially their teachers and the message they proclaim, is all shaped by something that's not the spirit of truth. It's the spirit of error. And ultimately that means it's, it's shaped by the devil himself because he's against God and he's against you knowing God as he truly is uh, and knowing him through Jesus Christ. And, um, <clears throat> and so it's a passage about discerning the community, right? You're in the place, John is saying. You are in the place where the spirit dwells. You have the spirit of truth. They don't. Right? That's not meant to make you uh, judgmental. It's not ma- meant to make you feel superior to them. Um, but it's meant to assure you because when you look over there and you see how well they've got things put together uh, and how fervent they are in the proclamation of their message, you begin to wonder. You begin to be, be afraid. But um, he says you don't have to fear that dynamic. You don't have to be afraid of them uh, because they've got uh, really impressive speakers over there, because uh, they've, they've really got their lives put together over there, because they focus so much on good behavior over there. Um, you don't have to worry about them. He says in verse 4, little children, y- you are from God, and you have overcome them. You're from God, and you've overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Right? So he who is in you in this community is greater than he who is in all those other communities out there, because where, um, where Jesus Christ is proclaimed in his full divinity, his full humanity, for our salvation, for our relationship with God, uh, the only place that's being proclaimed is in the church, and the, the rest of it is the world. Whether they claim to be Christians or not, the rest of it is the world. <clears throat> and, um, and so you need to know, you need to be assured, and that's what John's trying to tell you here, is that you're in the right place, right? You're, you're in the place where God's Spirit is focusing people on Jesus Christ. And you need that. And so the, the way that we have de, um, kind of discerned where the Spirit is truly at work throughout history uh, is with these, um, these things called the, the marks of the church, right? Uh, these three marks of the church historically are kind of recognized as the ways that you recognize where God's Spirit truly is at work in a church to exalt Christ for our salvation. And those three marks are pretty simple. Uh, but it's worth repeating. If you don't have it, have it memorized already, it's basically preaching sacraments and discipline, right? Um, the, the three marks of the church. You have a true church where the spirit of truth is at work in this community, forming the people of the spirit of truth. When you have the, the true preaching of the gospel, which is a Christ-centered uh, preaching, which is gracious in character, not condemning, uh, something that points you to Jesus Christ because that's the Spirit's role um, is to point you to Jesus Christ for your salvation. Uh, the, the true preaching of the gospel, the right administration of the sacraments, which is to say, uh, again, to assure you that God loves you, that there's grace and mercy for you through baptism and through the Lord's Supper, through the practice of those. And then also um, 
church discipline, which again, I mean, <clears throat> anytime you say the word discipline, people start uh, getting scared, um, worrying that the leaders of a particular church are all about control. Or um, it's not that. Uh, discipline is 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 love, right? Discipline is God's love for you, just like a parent who loves their children disciplines them. Uh, that, that exact analogy is used several times in the scriptures of God disciplining us, his children, because he, he loves us, because he wants us to grow. And the way that we practice church discipline is we get into each other's lives. We don't let each other stay the same. Um, we, we work for each other's sanctification. We build each other up in, uh, in love and in Christ as we speak the truth in love to each other. And the goal of discipline is, uh, is pretty simple. It's just, you know... Repent of your sins and believe the gospel. Again, it's Christ-centered, right? And it's relational. Repent of your sins and believe the gospel so you can be reconciled to God, right? So you can be right with God. It's, it's, uh, so these three marks of the church, the, the preaching, the sacraments, and the discipline of the church that kind of set out what the, the people of God look like when they're driven by the spirit of truth, those things are relational and those things point you to Jesus, Right? Uh, it's basically to say it's a community formed around Jesus by the Spirit of God. <clears throat> and um, he says in verse 6, we are from God. And he's talking about, uh, John is talking about himself and the apostles, those who speak the message of the gospel. Um, we are from God, and, and uh, whoever knows God listens to us. Right? So the people of the Spirit of God are identified, the people themselves, uh, you as individuals, are identified as those who, um, when you know God, you listen to the apostles, right? You listen to um, the apostolic message. You listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus said himself in John chapter 10, um, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, right? So there's this, uh, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you've spent much time around sheep, um, my wife's parents have raised sheep on the farm, and uh, one of the things that sticks in my memory when I think of this uh, passage where Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, and they, they follow me, is uh, one time the sheep were out in the field, uh, I was over at their place, and the sheep were out in the field, probably like a quarter of a mile away, and uh, Jerry's mom just yelled out, come on, and they all lift up their heads, stop their grazing, and start filing in toward the barn, right? Uh, it's pretty amazing that, that analogy that sheep know the shepherd's voice, right? And that's what John is saying, is that we're from God. You're hearing the message. You're hearing the apostolic message. You're hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed to you from the scriptures that are spirit-inspired. You're hearing that, and whoever, hears, whoever knows God listens to that. Whoever knows God listens to that. Whoever uh, belongs to God, whoever has a relationship with God, um, they, they listen to, to the apostolic message. They're part of the people where the apostolic message shapes the community. By this we know the spirit of truth. It says, by this we know the spirit of truth. When you see people listening to God's word about Jesus Christ, right? Um, that might not seem like much of a confirmation for you of eternal life when you, you know, look around and see who's sitting there listening to God's word, but it is a confirmation that the spirit of truth, the spirit of God, is at work in you and at work in the church when 
you come and listen to God's word. Right? You know you have a relationship with God. You know that the true spirit, the spirit of truth, is in you, in you plural, when you come and you listen to the apostolic message. So do you want assurance? You want assurance, this kind of assurance you know that God abides in you by the spirit that he's given you? Then you need to be where God's people are. You need to be where the the community is shaped by the Spirit in his purpose to exalt Christ. You need to be one of those people. You need to be one of the people who have received the Spirit as you have responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ by faith. And so you need to fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. That's what the Spirit does in you and among you. That's how you can know that you have a relationship with God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would uh, grant us all comfort and assurance in our knowledge of you, that, that you truly are at work in our lives, that we, we really do know you, that you live in us, you abide and dwell in us because of the ways that we can see you at work in the message of Jesus Christ being exalted among us and the, the way we can see you at work in each other as we look and see the people of the Spirit who are uh, listening to Jesus' voice and responding and following And we pray, if that does not characterize every one of us here, that you would make it true by your Spirit, that uh, your Spirit would do what only he can do in reviving and regenerating and renewing a heart to be able to hear the voice of Jesus and respond uh, with love and obedience. We pray that you would do this in Christ's name. Amen.